Thank you for listening to the 12th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. We just purchased some tickets for a Mizzou football game this weekend. Yes, we did. That's a great thing to be great about. So we'll be taking our first trip up to Columbia, watch the homecoming football game, and watch Mizzou Madness. All three of us, it's going to be the whole uh, Missouri Sports Podcast crew. The whole clan. So um, if you want to come say hi, we might be sitting on the hill or somewhere. I don't know. We might be illegally sitting somewhere other than the hill also. Correct. Well, we'll just jump right into some news. Um, Kyle, can you t- tell me about um, Missouri's most recent football uh, commitment? Absolutely. Uh, his name is Ishmael Burdine, I think is how you say that. Sure. That was a really like, hard D sound I just put in there, like <laughs> Burdine. Anyways, uh, number one uh, rated safety from Louisiana. Um, I had my eye on this guy for a while, um, kind of as a guy that I really wanted Mizzou to land. I never really knew if that would be a possibility, but as uh, time went on, definitely seemed like a, a legitimate prospect that they could get, and they did. So um, looking forward to uh, seeing him in a Mizzou uni- uniform. He's going to be a good player in a much-needed uh, help area. Yeah, the uh, Missouri secondary hasn't looked too great um, this season or last season, so yeah, just bring in as many recruits there as possible, and hopefully some of them stick. Um, some more football news. The updated depth chart was released for the Memphis game. It does not include Emmanuel Hall, so he will not be playing. Um, for those of you who don't know, obviously he was dealing with the injury, but then also his father passed away um, unexpectedly, so he's been home with his family. So I actually saw um, somewhere that somebody maybe asked or brought up the potential uh, – the possibility of him redshirting this year um, doing a medical redshirt so I don't know if that's really in the cards or not but we'll see but he's definitely not going to be playing against Memphis mm-hmm. yeah he's uh, he's ruled out for this weekend um, <clears throat> yeah obviously uh, thoughts go out to Emmanuel and his family going through a rough time right now uh, I think that he is ready to be back with the football team I, I don't think redshirting is going to be something that happens but uh, obviously I'm sure that it is been a possibility they've thought about but i doubt that that happens yeah um nate brown is another receiver that's missed a few games and he i i doubt we see him he is on the depth chart he's listed as a backup option um at receiver so uh, it's another one of those things if he's not 100 percent, don't even try it i mean just keep running with these uh, freshman receivers and then also might see a few snaps from rashad floyd coming back from injury so Maybe that can kind of fill in the gap with Nate Brown not being 100% yet. Yeah, it'd be good to get Floyd back for sure, just to have some kind of experience out there on the field. That's all I've got for football news, so we'll jump into some basketball news. Um, first up, I don't know if, Kyle, if you saw this, but there was kind of a cool video going around of Keon Dooling coming and talking to um, some of the Mizzou sports teams. He obviously, former basketball player from Missouri, had a nice long career in the NBA. And he's had, had now has a successful career as a public speaker and kind of like motivational speaker. So he came and talked to the program and just another example of Conzo Martin getting some of these former players that hadn't really been around the program much in recent years back involved. He had the uh, golf outing 
a month ago or so uh, that brought in a lot of older players, uh, former players. So, and in the video on that's been kind of circulating on um, Twitter, Keon Dooling himself talks about Conzo's wanting to get those guys involved in the program and how he was happy to be back and talk to the guys. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, I knew that he was um, dealing with some mental health issues, and I read an article about that maybe within the last year or so, mm-hmm. <clears throat> about how he he's dealt with a lot of interesting things from his past, and um, but has made a lot of strides to um, improve his mental health, and hopefully he's he's doing a lot better now than he maybe he was a few years ago. Um, but definitely great to see Conzo getting some of those former players involved, and um, just you know kind of showing some pride for the history of the program. Yeah, definitely. Um, big weekend, obviously, for Mizzou with homecoming and um, the Mizzou Madness basketball event. So naturally, there's going to be some visitors coming to town um, to partake in the festivities. Obviously, we talked about last week, Josh Christopher. Um, you've got another name to add to that list of uh, a football recruit that's visiting, right? Yeah, we know of one, at least one football recruit. Uh, his name is Shamar Pearl, and he's a defensive end from Texas, uh, Plano, Texas. And... Uh, He's got some pretty solid offers from from other schools, so definitely a, a guy that we'll have some competition for. But, and I think there will be several other names that that come out over time. So, and some guys that have already committed as well. I know C.J. Boone tweeted out that he's going to be there. So, yeah, and also a quick note on C.J. Boone. Uh, I saw a tweet from him maybe today recently saying that there might be a couple more commitments uh, coming in the next couple weeks. So something to keep an eye on there. So kind of fun to see. Uh, some of these recruits take on the recruiter role yeah. and, and kind of um, just take on that role of, of helping other guys, and especially in-state guys, get to get to Mizzou and kind of alert us ahead of time whenever there's something big coming. It's kind of fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of Mizzou Madness, we're going to be there, and I just wanted – we were there last year, and it was really fun. Is there anything in particular that you're excited about seeing from the new newest edition of Missouri basketball? Yeah, um, obviously we know what we're getting in Jonte Porter, um, but it'd still be kind of fun just to see him again, see how maybe he has developed over this off season with a, a full off season in the weight room, and um, just from pictures, it looks like he's really chiseled and has you know shed some of that baby fat. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing Torrance Watson and some of those new guys, and mm-hmm. like both the Smiths, and uh, yeah, just excited to see some of those new faces and just kind of see some basketball again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think we've been shy about the fact that we like college basketball a little more than college football. Um, so it's always exciting to get that started again. And like you said, Torrance Watson is definitely a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing in black and gold and um, the Smiths for sure. And speaking of the Smiths, actually, um, there's a possibility. It may be a very tiny possibility, but there is still a possibility nonetheless that they could actually play this season. Yeah, Mizzou confirmed today that they submitted waivers for both of Mark Smith and Drew Smith. Um, it seems like the NCAA has been granting some some of those waivers a little bit more than maybe they used to, uh, maybe to avoid lawsuits or mm-hmm. just trouble with, I don't know, the universities or getting backlash on social media. I honestly don't know what what they're uh, what they could be afraid of, but um, <clears throat> it seems like they just don't care anymore. Yeah, they're just kind of like it's like okay, know. we're not going to fight it. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we saw. 
uh, Blake Harris mm-hmm. get granted a waiver to play at NC State, um, transferring out of Mizzou. Um, so he and, will not have to. Traditionally, he would have to sit out the first semester of this season. Right. Uh, yeah. But he got a, a waiver to play immediately. And so and it didn't really seem like Mizzou fought that very much. They just said, OK, go, you know, he submitted a waiver. They said, go ahead and, and grant it. That's fine with us. Yeah. And that's what I read, that it actually did come back to Missouri as sort of if they were going to push back against it, mm-hmm. that could have held that up. And they just said, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, some people have, have asked maybe if there's, you know, a chance that the Smiths might have a better chance to play because Mizzou didn't show resistance in the Blake Harris thing. I, it's probably unrelated, but I surely can't hurt, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I would say it's probably unlikely that either one of those guys play at this point, but it's still a um, good idea to go ahead and, and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, so, you might as well try it. I mean, especially with Drew Smith. Exactly. If, he, he's going to, Drew Smith is going to be a great addition to this team. Uh, whenever he joins but um and he his coach got fired last year too so it's it's a possibility that maybe he has a reasonable um excuse for for leaving the coaching change could definitely be cited as a reason to be granted immediate eligibility i think if you were just placed into that starting point guard spot you could even i don't know even coming off the bench you would just add so much leadership i think and mm-hmm. just like a veteran presence that he's been through college yeah. uh college season so at this point i think it's pretty safe to say he would be one of the more impactful players on the team I, there's kind of been some rumors circulating out of uh, mizzou basketball practice that uh, he's been pretty dominant and uh he's just an all really strong all-around player plays tough defense is really uh sure-handed with the ball can efficient. shoot he's yeah. very efficient yeah and so and uh just seems like a great guy too as well so um Mizzou you, loves drew smith a yeah. lot if you were able to slide jordan geist back to the two spot i think and let him play off the ball a little bit more that would be helpful to the team and also it put less on torrence watson xavier pinson so anytime you can take a little bit of the burden off of true freshman i think that's always helpful as well all right next up we'll try to talk about a little bit of this fbi stuff um the reason I want to bring it up is because there is a school to the west of Missouri that is really involved in this. Um, lately, we talked about last week about uh, this guy, Gasnola, who is kind of spilling the beans on this whole situation with Adidas and some of the AAU bigwigs and paying players. So um, I've got here uh, some text messages that were released um, with the trial that's going on. So um, Self was uh, texting with Gasnola, and Gasnola said um, regarding a Kansas player, I got you. He says, I promise you I got this. I have never let you down except DeAndre, LOL. We will get it right. And then he uh, confirmed that that was referring to DeAndre Ayton, who didn't go to Kansas and went to Arizona. So... And the player they were talking about um, did go to Kansas. So, I mean, it's just... Well, and then the other thing that's kind of been circulating, I believe it was reported by Yahoo Sports, uh, was that... Um, you'll is have that to, the Zion Williamson piece? Yeah. So, yeah, Zion Williamson's father apparently was texting or in contact with this other person. Um <clears throat> Zion essentially asked for money, housing, 
Um, maybe some, uh, something else too as well. But I think had, a job. His yeah. dad wanted a job. Yeah. So it, it was basically uh, a sure thing that Zion, well, you know, was saying, in order for me to commit to your school, I need to receive these things uh, in return. Uh, and that was in the conversation with with Kansas' assistant coach, I believe. Right. Yeah. So and the assistant coach named Townsend actually said. Um, I've just got to try to work and figure out a way because if that's what it takes to get him here for 10 months, we're going to have to do it some way. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Duke has now been wrapped into this whole thing because Zion eventually goes to Duke, uh, committed to Duke. So um, and he's, you know, set to start this season. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, what did Duke have to do to get him to come there then? Right. And of course, Coach K has been like the leader of the, of the, of the argument that nothing's happening and this isn't really college basketball. This isn't really what's happening. And, uh, which is just the totally wrong answer. I think, I think so too. And it's kind of a question. I, I don't know. It's a head scratcher to me Yeah. that he would just flat out like deny that it's happening. Yeah. He's basically, taking the stance that this is such a small portion of basketball recruiting that this is just a couple of players just a few players and a few just random you know just outlier situations that that in general basketball recruiting has nothing to do with any of this and i think that even if you i was talking to producer cameron about this yesterday actually that my point of view is even if you were a coach who was sure your program wasn't doing this you still need to know everything you can about how this works to ensure that your guys aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. If I was going to release a statement, I would say something like, yeah, I know all about this. I know which guys to stay away from. I know not to talk to these AOU guys. I know. Yeah. And I tell my staff, you know, this is what to look for in exactly. these situations. So just denying everything, it yeah. seems a little strange. And I think even Roy Williams, you know, in the last month or two was quoted you know, something similar as well, you know, and they've had their fair share of, you know, of, uh, accusations over the years right. with the, with the fake classes and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it was just bizarre to see, uh, two of the most powerful coaches in the game just completely deny that this is happening whatsoever when we know for a fact that it is. Yeah. And it kind of, I mean, it gives me another opportunity to profess my love for Conzo Martin because I remember last year, now. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember last year him getting asked about, these sort of situations and him saying basically he doesn't need any NCAA compliance office to monitor his program because he monitors his program and makes sure that nothing like this is going to happen. And I feel like that's a much better answer than, well, this isn't really a big thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think if we can uh, <clears throat> ever be thankful for Kim Anderson being our coach, it was probably a, we can be thankful that he was our coach during this, this time period that's kind of been under investigation yeah nationwide. i mean if if missouri was cheating over the past four years they were doing a really bad They're job at it awful at cheating <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll uh, end on some happier news um well it depends on how you look at it um vashon basketball star cameron fletcher is officially blowing up on the recruiting trail he's uh taking an official visit to michigan state which is a blue blood program and 
it's the battle is on. Well, I saw you get an offer from Ohio State yep. as well, and uh, we've been talking about Ohio State a little bit recently. Unfortunately, and uh, I did also see that EJ Liddell, you know, tweeted a smiley face in response to his offer. So I, I did not enjoy I, that. I kind of like wrote a response on on our Twitter, and I was just like, <laughs> I better not. But I just wanted to like trash everyone involved. Like, don't do this to us. Like, come on. But I uh, refrain from that's, from that's any words from any words. But I wanted to uh, speak my mind. Yeah. So, like I said, the the battle is on now for him. I mean, he's gonna get all the offers that he could go wherever he wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought that we were in some recruiting battles this past year. I think with him and Josh Christopher and Caleb Love in 2020, it's yeah. gonna be insane. The battles are not going away. And, Which is um, good. It's good. It's a good thing. Uh, we should we should be in battles with other um, prestigious programs. That's a, that's a good thing. Uh, but it's also means that it's we're probably going to see our coach fail a little bit. Right. <laughs> and that's okay. But I think Mario McKinney is going to be big, uh, a big part of this recruitment. Yeah. I know he and uh, and Cam are really close, and I I think their families are close, and. So uh, we definitely have that going for us in this particular case. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have a really good team this year at Vashon. And uh, I think they're picked, you know, as like the best team in the state by a bunch of people so far early in the high school preseason. So, um, yeah, he's going to be one to watch. And um, another cool thing, um, Missouri released their new black uniforms. They released that on social media over the last couple of days. And they look every bit as good as the home whites so mm, they look awesome i don't uh, last year at mizzou madness they just had like practice jerseys on so yeah i think the, you're right they may, maybe they'll with there being new uniforms they might do a little fashion show or something but mm-hmm. um i don't they won't scrimmage in them i don't think probably not also a little hot take from last year's mizzou madness uh in my humble opinion i thought jordan barnett Probably should have won the dunk contest. Well, yes. But they gave it to, you know, who Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. And that was kind of an asterisk next to uh, his victory in that <laughs> because he, I think he, like, got more tries than anybody well, else. Well, yeah, because he, he, like, he, like, failed at his dunk and then everyone just, and then he, like, didn't move on. And yeah. then he was like, no, I got to get back in this. He and then didn't they, make the final round. Yes. And, and then, then he just, like, Mike Kelly was like, is everybody okay with Michael Porter Jr. getting back in a dunk contest at Mizzou Madness? And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I think we can live with that. Yeah, the crowd roared. And he basically was just like, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, he just I'm told gonna Mike Kelly, this. no, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm getting back, back in. in this. Yeah. yeah. And then he did his reverse between the legs dunk. Yeah. That was the best dunk of the night, but he probably was probably shouldn't have been in the championship round of that contest. Probably not. Who, who anyway. do you like for the dunk contest this year? Oh man, I don't even know. I, I, I maybe like Watson. Yeah, I maybe. don't even honestly. Um, Xavier Pinson yeah, true, has right. that kind of like short guy true. bounce to him. Does, that can Jonte like. dunk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's been working out, maybe <laughs> Kevin Perrier, maybe. Uh, I doubt it. Uh, I don't know. Jonte Porter can just, he and Tillman can just do drop step dunks. True. And I'll be fine with that. They don't need to do anything flashy. Just don't get hurt, please. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that's all I got for news. So we'll move on to a recap of Missouri's unfortunate loss against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So starting things off. 
it was pretty ugly right from the beginning. Alabama's second play of their first possession was an 81-yard pass from Tua, and um, that was a touchdown that put Alabama up 7-0. And then before you say anything, Missouri turned around, and after a Larry Roundtree seven-yard run, Drew Locke threw an almost pick six. They got returned down to the Missouri 14-yard line. Uh, yeah, that was horrendous. Um, nobody should have ever expected anything other than a, a sizable loss in this in this game. But that was that was definitely discouraging. Like right off the bat, it's like, okay, cool, here we are, Four, down 14 to zero, and it's like a game started like four minutes ago. Yeah, I actually wasn't watching the game at this point. I was trying to get to a TV when I, I was downtown Springfield and trying to get to a TV to watch it, and just looked at my phone. And I was like. There's like 30 seconds gone in the game, and Alabama's up 7-0 and has the ball on Missouri's 14-yard line. <laughs> yep. So that was great. And then uh, Missouri's defense actually held Alabama to a field goal right there, so it was 10-0 Alabama really quickly. And then um, Locke actually had some success through the air in the first half. Um, on their next possession, he had a nice play to Albert O for 23 yards, but they did have to punt. And then uh, Alabama was driving on their next possession, but then Kobe Whiteside... Um, got a sack on Tua, forced a fumble, and it was recovered by Akael Byers. So the defense was looking decent. Um, yeah, that was good to see. Uh, Kobe Whiteside's a guy that we haven't heard a whole lot about this year. So it was kind of interesting to see uh, kind of like the depth of Mizzou's defense actually make like a huge play mm-hmm. against a machine of an offense. So, right. uh, yeah, good for Kobe Whiteside and good for, for Byers for getting in there. Um doing something other than than Beckner and Elliott. So good to see those guys do something exciting. Uh, Mizzou then kicked a field goal of their own to go down 10-3. to And then um, Alabama, they honestly marched up and down the field however they wanted to. Um, Between turnovers and having to settle for field goals, that was the only thing that kept this from being just a horrendous blowout. But credit to the Mizzou defense for actually holding them to field goals throughout the game because um, they were forced to kick another one here after getting all the way down to the Missouri 28-yard line. Then, um, by far, Missouri's best offensive drive of the whole game, um, Tyler Beatty actually had an awesome drive on his own. He carried the ball four straight times for 38 yards in total, and then right after that, Drew Locke completed a 20-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Knox. And yeah, that was, that was really awesome to see. And Drew Locke had all day to throw. That was incredible. On that touchdown pass to Jalen Knox. And uh, Cameron and producer Cameron make fun of me all the time because I'll always say, like, I love so-and-so. But, man, I love me some Jalen Knox and some <laughs> Tyler Beatty. Oh, yeah, the future of Missouri right there. Seriously. On display. Yeah. Um, I think that you guys probably have, like, I don't know, like, 20 different like sound bites of me saying i love so and so or whatever so just add that to the list you- i will <laughs> so producer cameron and i were actually watching this at a restaurant uh, in springfield and i said to him when tyler Beatty was breaking off some of these runs and they were marching down the field i said if they score a touchdown here i don't care what happens the rest of the game i will be happy just score a touchdown show that you can do something and they did, and I'm glad I wasn't expecting anything else because yeah. they did nothing they really else. They didn't do anything the rest of the game, but it was such a classic Drew Locke play where he's like, it's like he's playing backyard football. Yep. He's he like directing, like literally, him, like, yes, yeah, literally pointing way. at him, like yeah. directing traffic 
against like an absolute super team, like maybe one of the best college football teams ever. He's mm-hmm. out there just like pointing and stuff. And I guess Jalen Knox actually went the opposite direction of where he was pointing at him is what we learned after the game. Oh, really? I didn't he, even Jalen see that. Jalen Knox was like, yeah, but I'm going this way. And he was wide open <laughs> yeah. in the back of the end zone. So. That was a really great play. Um, unfortunately, the good times did not last long because Alabama answered with a nine-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. And that was when we saw Therese Hall get flagged for targeting. So, producer Cameron, we know he is not a Mizzou fan. He's a Nebraska fan, unfortunately. But we were watching this game, and without the sound, because we were at a restaurant, and I go, I think they called targeting. And he said, no, there's no way. (laughs) Give us your unbiased opinion, producer Cameron. I think that's the dumbest thing ever, that you can get called for targeting on a run play. As we'll see later in the game, Alabama, an Alabama pl- player, Alabama, is that what I just said? <laughs> an Alabama player, you know, makes a far worse, you know, act. He's like yeah. literally punching Kevin Pendleton and yeah. like nothing happens. And Therese Hall gets gets uh, thrown out for making like a routine play. And then exactly right. You know, it's like a run play where the running back lowers his head to get, you know, leverage. Mm-hmm. And, and Therese Hall does the same. Right. And yeah, it's like, what's he supposed to do? Just have, sit there, take it in the chest and get run over? I have no idea. Like, that's what else he could do. That's so dumb. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the second time this has happened to him this season. So, Is it? yeah. Um, he had to miss the first half against, or no, was that was Brandon, Brandon Lee? Lee yeah, had the or exact same with thing a, happen. A similar play. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the conclusion that we've come to is that the refs made the right call because that's what the rule is. But the rule is the most ridiculous thing ever. It makes no sense. Yeah. And it's not getting called every time either. So it's no, like, exactly. If you can't have a rule that gets called consistently. Yeah. If you called the, if you had, if they called it every time, then. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, how often does like someone tell them every like five that? plays with somebody a running get, back? Yeah. I yeah. honestly. It's like only if the ref is consciously thinking like, oh. Oh, that hit, was, look at that. that hit was kind of hard. Yeah, he can hit him kind of hard. Yeah. So. And I haven't read the the exact rule word for word, but I do think that perhaps the fact that he was getting tackled kind of around the legs when he got hit, that might have something to do with it because that was the same in both of these plays that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't Led know. with the crown of the helmet, I think, is like yeah. the key aspect of the rule, which I guess he did. But yeah. like I mean, discussed. you're supposed to have your, your face up when you're tackling, but you... <laughs> I mean, the running back is supposed to have his face up, too. He's not supposed to lower yeah, his head exactly. like that either. So. Call, call it on the running back. He's yeah. the one who was running at him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Are you just spit in the microphone? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just edit that out. The old spit laugh. Don't edit it out. The old spit laugh. <laughs> All right. So, that was no good. Missouri was then down 20 to 10. And then they had just... Uh, what I have down here sarcastically is a wonderful three-play, negative 12-yard drive that ended in a strip sack of Drew Locke. And Alabama then just scored the very next play to go up 27-10. to 10. Was that the the instance where Drew Locke was just, like, backpedaling for, like, days? Yep. That's... Yeah, I was, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, I mean, he's been quoted in an article, you know, recently that obviously that's got to be a play where he throws the ball out of bounds and just kind of part of the learning process with you know he's a he's a competitor he wants to make a play yeah and understandably it's hard so to just give up on a play it's hard yeah it's it's i have no idea what it's like to be drew lock in that situation mm-hmm. but from our point of view it's like what on earth are you doing but yeah um 
Mizzou then punts. Uh, they have two more possessions in the sec- in the first half. They punt on both of those, and Alabama gets one more field goal to go up thirty to ten. So, at this point, I mean it's basically what I expected. I'm I'm really disappointed though that the offense did not help the defense whatsoever. They and it, and I feel like a broken record because we've talked about this in so many games this year. And I think I'm higher on this Mizzou defense than most people because I'm just kind of looking at the situations that the offense is putting them in and just saying, Mm -hmm. what are they supposed to do, especially against Alabama team? I mean, if the offense doesn't turn the ball over like they did, then it's 20 to 10, and that's probably the lowest halftime total for Alabama this season. I mean, they maybe score in other ways. Maybe they drive the length of the field instead of getting getting a short field but yeah i mean it's it's a good point and mizzou's defense i I thought played surprisingly well in this game considering who they're going up against and if you look at alabama's games the rest of the year they have just rolled everyone like without batting an eye it's just yeah tua was putting up numbers i mean he was efficient he was throwing the ball all over the place but the fact that they were holding them to field goals right i mean it is that bend but don't don't break break. so yeah they they definitely did well in the red zone and uh in like like we talked about earlier they forced the fumble on Tua. i'm pretty sure that's the first time he's done that all year turnover of any kind yeah Yeah. so they did some good things and i just don't think that you can just considering who alabama is purely i just don't think that you can really take this game too seriously as far as um as far as the defense goes Um, yeah you can't get mad no. about what happened as far as the defense. No, definitely not. But you're right. I really do think the offense could have played better. Yeah. And for for high, as highly touted as this offense is, uh, it's disappointing what, mm-hmm. what they've done. Yeah. So to be honest with you, there is not a whole lot to talk about with the second half. Um, a few things. Tua went out with an injury at one point. Jalen Hurts came into the game. Um, he finished the game for him at quarterback. He did the same thing as far as picking him apart through the air. It was really efficient. Seven of eight passing for 115 yards. But uh, Alabama just decided to lean on the running game. And honestly, they didn't do a whole lot mm-hmm. on the ground in the second half. Yeah, incredibly small sample size. And obviously, Hertz is in this game kind of unexpectedly. But mm-hmm. uh, we definitely witnessed how much better this team can be with Tua uh, than they are with, with Jalen Hurts. And part of that was play calling. I don't know True. if they it'd be interesting to see if they just had that full playbook Mm -hmm. like they do with Tua, but obviously they don't feel comfortable with Jalen Hurts doing that. Right, and maybe this is a bit of a hot take, but it definitely looked like Alabama was a beatable team in the second half. Maybe not by Mizzou, but they looked like there there are teams out there that could beat Alabama if they play the way they did in the second half against Mizzou. So I think uh, it's definitely in their best interest that that Tua comes back 100%. And I think if this was like... A close game a, a bigger game it looked like he was available to come back in yeah. they just didn't need him to they definitely did not need him to um and then somewhere else here uh, was the play that you alluded to earlier with um the alabama defensive lineman just punching kevin pendleton in the back multiple times yeah um after the play was over so that was how the refs missed that i have no idea if you're listening to this i'm sure you've seen the replay a million times mm-hmm. that was just bizarre he should have been ejected from the game and most likely suspended a game in addition to that and it still could happen i know that it was uh it was talked about that saban 
had communication with uh, the SEC commissioner about it, and he's going to handle it internally. He would handle handle it internally. So who who does Alabama play next? Um, I can find out. Because if they're playing a cupcake, he, I could see how they, he might get suspended. But if they have a they big, play Tennessee, okay, that's kind of on the fence. So he might sit out a half. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with uh with Davis. Yeah, I just yeah. If the SEC handles that with I don't know how 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 do they just like yeah Alabama go ahead you handle it however you I have feel no idea. is it, right. Okay, so conspiracy time. <laughs> if that's anybody else besides Alabama, what do you think SEC's response is? I I would hope that I just don't understand it at all. I would the thing that makes sense to me is they say he's suspended for a game. I don't I care who he it, plays it's, for. It really is like insane that they're like, well, you guys decide. I don't care. That's kind of a precedent when, that they've set now. When do you see that? Yeah. Like where the, the league just decides that the, the school can can handle it internally. Seems like a conflict of interest potentially. Yeah. I feel like it's on Alabama's side in this situation that there wasn't a flag thrown, that there wasn't he wasn't ejected from the game. Right. So it shouldn't matter, but I feel like it is mattering in this situation. And he did issue issue an apology, so that means that uh, he's he's becoming a better person, and he doesn't need to sit out. Well, yeah, and I I think I mean I won't, don't want to be too hard on the guy because I guess emotions you know, happen. Yes, and you make mistakes, and um, honestly, it didn't look like he was really hurting Kevin Pendleton by any means. So. But it was, by definition, a violent act, a fighting act. It was a very uh, non-football play. Exactly. So from a rule standpoint, he should be suspended. Um, I, don't, I don't think that necessarily makes him a bad person. I think... Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, but you have to just take his apology at face value and just understand that yeah. he regrets it. And obviously he does because of the replays everywhere. But, I mean, hopefully he just... Settles down a little yeah. bit and just plays. Wouldn't it change the game at all? Right. Kevin Pendleton. Kevin Pendleton accepted the apology. He didn't seem yeah. to be too bothered by it. So exactly. The fans are the ones most riled up about it, probably. Right. So, this is kind of unbelievable. I didn't actually realize how this went until I was doing the recap. But the second half was bad for both teams because this is how the drives went to end the game. This is all the drives of the second half of this football game. Punt, 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 missed field goal, fumble, turnover on downs, safety, Alabama touchdown off of the safety, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, end of the game. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable that the third quarter was pretty much scoreless. Yeah, the and only they, points were at the very end with that safety. on the last play of the quarter got a yeah. safety, and... I don't have any idea why they're what that play call was to be honest. No, uh, when they were on their like own one, you know, one yard line or yeah. whatever. But uh, it happened, and so yeah, the third quarter scoring was like two to zero Alabama, and then of course they they scored the the touchdown almost immediately after on that. a short field again. Yeah, so <laughs> another another touchdown that the offense kind of mm-hmm. helped hand to the opposing team. Yeah, but. I don't know. They, like we said, Alabama did kind of struggle running the ball. I mean, they didn't. The only time they scored was that short field, so they were punting just as much. Mm-hmm. They were missing. They missed a field goal. So, so pretty much nothing. All that surprising happened in this game. We lost pretty handily. Uh, showed some resolve at times. Defense looked okay. Offense looked okay on a couple drives. 
didn't get absolutely throttled, but didn't really make it a close game either. So, no. um, yeah. So the final score was thirty nine ten, and I was the only thing that I would say surprised me was that <clears throat> both offenses struggled mm-hmm. for the majority of the game, and a lot of that I think does have to do with Tua going out for most of the second half. So, I. But Jalen Hurts is not a bad quarterback. He brought them all the way to the national championship game last year. So I thought it was really bizarre too, um, how they brought him in like as a receiver. At yeah, one so point. he had a uh, reception, looked... a rush, and obviously several passes. What, what's like the point of that? I don't know. Maybe well, they just did, to they just did to keep little... him interested so he doesn't transfer. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe that might be internally their motivation for doing that. But they had one kind of gadget play where they brought him around on an end around mm-hmm. and then he threw then the he ball threw it, right yeah. I, it's that's the one that made sense to me but it was he lined just up in the slot really and they just bizarre. threw it to him exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he when he lined up in the slot and they just like threw like a little five-yard pass to him and he looked really unnatural doing it it's kind of surprising it like, like, why they it, maybe. did they do that i don't know they just obviously very like forcibly did that yeah but whatever yeah, i guess they're trying to get creative so mizzou is now three and three 0-3 in conference, which we talked about last week, this being winless in conference, we just assumed they would be after this game. So that puts them down there now, not with Tennessee anymore, mm-hmm. only with Vanderbilt as winless conference teams in the SEC East. Not a good place to be. No, and uh, to me, this is kind of where the season... I don't know, maybe I'll get criticized for saying this, but I, I feel like the season gets exciting now uh, because we, from here on out, play winnable games uh, against kind of toss-up matchups. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Florida is better than we imagined. Kentucky is better than we imagined, but still, teams that we, we you know we on a good day could beat. Yeah. Um, came good out of matchups. Yeah. Kentucky's a good matchup for Missouri. Exactly. Florida's a good matchup for Missouri. Yeah. So we've come out of the the Death Valley zone of of games we probably knew we would lose, but um, to me, this is where the season gets really interesting. Yeah, and Drew Locke made a good point uh, in his media availability saying you know he'd rather be three and three this like they are now than one and five like they were this time last year so that's a good point I mean just kind of glancing real quick at the schedule Memphis you gotta you gotta win that one obviously and then Vanderbilt Tennessee and Arkansas win those four you're at seven wins again you're going to a bowl anything else is just awesome but win those four games like you're expected to they're going to be favored in all four of those even on the road at tennessee they're going to be favored most likely so just win the games you're supposed to win yeah if, if missouri can do that i think uh i don't know satisfying yeah i think i'd be satisfied yeah uh, i think barry Only odom, just, barry odom is is safe um anything less might be uh holding our breath a little bit right uh but yeah um they just i think th- if speaking specifically about Barry Odom, I don't think his job is really in jeopardy all that much. Um, perhaps if they only won five games, that would maybe enter the conversation a little bit. I would be pretty shocked if they only won two more games in this stretch. Me too. Um, three seems like the minimum, and then you're going to a bowl again. So mm-hmm. I think a Missouri coach that keeps them bowl eligible year after year is going to stick gonna get around fired. for a while. So I agree. Yeah, the, and the uh, Mizzou fan internet base has been crazy the last few weeks. And there's people like getting really mad about like the Alabama game. And I'm just like, you're just being irrational. Yeah. I had like a like a 
disagreement with a guy on Twitter, like telling me that Drew Locke was like going to drop down to like a fourth round pick in the NFL draft. I'm like, you guys, it's just unbelievable how much you guys think like the sky is falling after like we played literally maybe one of the best college football teams ever. Yeah, it's like just chill out. Like yeah. this, you you should have seen this coming that uh, that Drew Locke is going to struggle and Mizzou's going to lose. And yeah, there's been a lot of on. there's been a lot of doubting in the last couple of weeks about Drew Locke and Barry Odom right. specifically. And, and so what we've seen about Drew Locke is he's got to improve when he's on the run, and like. You know, we've kind of okay. Take Patrick Mahomes for instance; he's like the best at it. He's yeah. the, he makes plays out of nothing. He he throws outside the hashes. He does you know everything on the move. Drew Locke, on the other hand, you know not so much. He does amazing when he's got no pressure and he's in, he's comfortably in the pocket, like the touchdown pass to Jalen Knox against yeah. Alabama, all all day to throw makes a fantastic throw to the back of the end zone. But we haven't seen him make a whole lot of you know game breaking plays where he's on the run or he's being pressured and that's where he tends to struggle so uh obviously has areas of improvement yeah and i could see some people maybe being just slightly disappointed i'm slightly disappointed when you looked at those first three wins and you did see a little bit of that out of drew lock those Mm -hmm. tucking it and running it for a touchdown in one game and yeah, and that when it wasn't designed, the play against Purdue where yeah. he he found Tyler Beatty um, on that like, game-winning exactly. drive. Yeah, so, he's, he's done it. But then he's coming back down to earth, and it, I mean, so I don't think you could you could hope for plays like that, but I don't think you could expect it to be sustained, right? Because we by this time we know who Drew Locke is, we know what he's not, and mm-hmm. I think anybody that's talking about the NFL with him, the NFL scouts know exactly what they're getting if they draft him, and they know what they need to work on, right. so. Yeah, he he's got all of the upside, all of the physical traits, all of the all that kind of stuff. It's just struggling a couple of games mm-hmm. is not going to bump him down to the to the fourth round. That's just uh, utterly ridiculous. Yeah. So he will he'll still be a first round pick, and I fully expect him to uh, take advantage of these not so great defenses we're about to face. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he should have a good opportunity this week against Memphis. So Memphis, um, they are four and three. They're one and three in their conference. So last non-conference game for Missouri this year. Um, f- kind of interesting note. Uh, most people should know this. This is actually uh, was Barry Odom's stop between his two stints at Missouri. Um, he was a linebacker coach and defensive coordinator from 2012 to 2014. So he was a graduate assistant and defensive coach at Missouri, then went to Memphis for a promotion there and actually became the defensive coordinator came back to Missouri as defensive coordinator and then was promoted to head coach when uh, Gary Pinkle retired. So kind of a little bit of sort of a double homecoming for Barry Odom getting to see his old team again. Um, Memphis, though, they have one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. Um, They're led by a junior running back named Darrell Henderson. Um, He already has over 1,100 yards this season on only – 103 110 i think carries so, so he's at about 10 yards 10 a carry yards a carry wow um they and 31 of those carries came against ucf this past week yeah so that was a little bit scary that they played ucf so tight i honestly thought they were going to win that game mm-hmm. they uh, actually they probably should have because yeah, i wish they would have they had an opportunity to they had the ball um down three i think Actually, no. Did they just lose that game by one? I can't remember. Um, They had the ball and were driving and just ran out of time. Really? They completed a pass short, 
Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Was it you that told me that? And I said, uh, oh, that actually happens other places. Oh, right. Like, yeah, other exactly. than Mizzou, where people <laughs> just mismanage the clock. Exactly. Yeah. So that was actually really disappointing. They didn't have any timeouts, and the clock just ran out on them. So. Yeah. So uh, Memphis is going to score points uh, this weekend. It's just going to happen. So Drew Locke and the offense has got to be on their game. Um, it hurts that we're not going to have Hall, but we should be able to win this game comfortably still without him, I think. Yeah, so if we want to talk about Missouri's offense, other teams have had have been able to move the ball in several different ways. I mean, they've moved it sometimes through the air and on the ground in the same game. So I think Missouri will be one of those teams that will able to get in their groove offensively, get in a rhythm, especially being back at home, good environment. Should be able to run the ball. Yes, definitely. Um, so I don't think we have that to worry about. I think sort of the thing we keep coming back to in this in the Purdue game, in the South Carolina game, these winnable matchups, it's how can the offense convert more consistently, mm-hmm. I think, is it's needed now. Because when they're just putting up field goals, that's putting more pressure on the defense than we want on yeah. this defense. And I'm almost not even worried about the offense or the defense. I'm worried about can we avoid these just boneheaded weird plays? Like, like the remember the Purdue game whenever the ball like bounced out of the receiver's hands into the other yeah. receiver's hands. Like, can can we just avoid these these bizarre like happenings? Because if if we just like. Can we avoid a very strange, like, three-replay game where two of them get overturned? Can we avoid, like, a hurricane coming out of nowhere? <laughs> like, can we just have a normal game? I think we win by two or three touchdowns, Yeah. if so. Uh, because Mizzou's offense and Mizzou's defense, if you just look at them individually, I feel like they've they've held their own. Yeah. But it's these just weird, bizarre plays that they can't bounce back from that end up killing them. Yeah, and I'm I'm really looking for the offense though to just help the defense out. They they have not been helping this defense out game after game. So do what you need to do and the defense has shown that they will they'll play for you. They'll mm-hmm. they'll hold these teams to field goals. They'll yeah. force and some stops. It's amazing how how much one affects the other. Yeah. Um I feel like I really have realized that the last couple of years how much the off, you know, offense struggling can affect the defense struggling because that means they're on the field all the time, right? And, you know, that kind of thing, and then and the field position battle. Yes, getting these short fields for the, Man, the opposing offense. I don't know offense. if I've ever seen a field position battle like the bowl game against Texas last year. Oh yeah, when they kept pinning us, you know, inside our twenty. That was and crazy. Yeah, it just the field position is a, is a big deal, and that, especially over the course of a game. That punter is going to be a pro bowler in his rookie season for he, the Seahawks. Oh, he's, man, he's unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, but Memphis has that sort of same similar defensive as Missouri where they bend but don't break. So um, it's really going to be about finding the end zone at the end of these drives. But as far as Memphis's offense, we talked about Henderson, the running back. He's really dynamic and he catches the ball some um in their losses he's still playing well i mean they lost to navy and he had 212 car 212 yards on just 13 carries um they lost to Tulane, and he only carried the ball seven times because they got down early but still had a decent game as far as yards per carry sounds like that's what they should be doing whether they're winning or losing yeah the ball 
Exactly. And that is honestly what kept them in the UCF game. Cause I was looking through their box scores thinking, why are they not handing the ball to this guy more? And they did in the UCF game, they handed it to him 31 times. He had 200 yards in that game. So he's pretty much carved up every defense he's come up against. And the quarterback play has been good, if not great in some games. I mean, they, he, their quarterback was really rolling against some of the cupcake teams they've played. Um, he's got more yards on the season than Drew Locke and just 15 or just one interception to 15 touchdowns. So he's been playing really efficient and then putting up some big numbers against bad defenses. So I think we're looking at another one of those games where they're going to they're going to get yards. It'll be interesting. Maybe a little preview of um, how Missouri will do against Snell with Kentucky when you have just a dynamite running back coming up against you. Yeah, I had a similar thought that uh, it might be kind of a similar uh, matchup with one really, really dominant player, yeah. and it's a running back. I do think, though, that Brady White, this quarterback for Memphis, is a better quarterback than Kentucky has. That's You're probably right. Um, he's just not – he just doesn't make mistakes. Like I said, one interception. It, that's another reason that Missouri's offense is going to need to be sound and get touchdowns because the Memphis offense is not going to – give you a short field most mm-hmm. likely yeah tyler Beatty, you ever heard of him uh-huh he's a former memphis commit so Ooh. he flipped to missouri so little uh i don't know not a revenge game that wouldn't make any sense it might, it's gonna be a revenge game for memphis i maybe. suppose yeah so gotta get uh Beatty the ball in yes against his well not even his former team but you know what i mean yeah so let him See what Make they're missing pay. out on. <laughs> See what they're missing out on, what they probably wanted really bad. Yes. <laughs> Rub it in their faces. <laughs> oh, that's really mean of you. All right, so what do you think, prediction-wise, what do you think for this uh, homecoming matchup against Memphis? Oh, man, I haven't really thought about it, but I think Mizzou wins. Um, I mean, I haven't really thought about a score, I guess I should say, but um, I'll say 38-30, Mizzou. Okay, okay. I do not think Memphis will score that many points. I don't think either team will score that many points. Let's go with 27-17. I think that this will be Mizzou defense's best game of the season. And I think that they can hopefully hold hold Memphis to field goals instead of touchdowns and I I could see Memphis scoring 20 points or less if the defense can do that I hope you're right me too (laughs) I hope we get to see a good game we'll be there you know can Uh, you imagine how sad we would be if we like watched them lose to Memphis jeez that would be terrible at least we get to cheer up with some basketball action right after I suppose I would kind of sully that moment too I guess all right, so we got our predictions in for that. Let's do some more picks. We are going to do SEC Pick'em plus Nebraska. We're going to pick all the conference games for the week, plus producer Cameron's team, the winless Nebraska Cornhuskers. Do you have any insight for us for this week for the Nebraska game? No. <laughs> all right, well, let me recap last Didn't week. They, they almost win, uh, won this past weekend. Yeah, that yeah, was actually really close. Three. Northwestern or something? And Overtime. Yeah. They had the lead. They were up by 10 in the second half, I want to say. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Selective <Sad> memory. <laughs> so last week, I just pulled away a little bit more on Kyle. 
Um, we both got points in some really close games with, like we said, Nebraska losing to Northwestern. Um, Florida beat Vandy and AM beat South Carolina. We picked all those. But unfortunately for Kyle, those were the only points he got on the week because I got two points for picking LSU um, over Georgia. You did? Yeah. Wow. Nice pick. <laughs> Thanks. And one point for Ole Miss holding on in a close game against Arkansas. I was kind of sweating that one. And for some reason, you picked Arkansas. So they were because they have the up, easy upset pick. Sure. <laughs> so are you gonna pick nebraska as a home favorite oh my goodness no <laughs> i have not picked nebraska once and it has been the only reason i even have as many points as i do so <laughs> i will pick minnesota by 50 wow bold <laughs> prediction there i'm gonna stay on producer cameron's good side and pick nebraska to get their first win of the season wow that's a friend right there. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta uh, like keep our our listeners happy. You know, you'll keep producer Cameron happy. Sure. That's fine. I'll we keep our some, listeners happy. Somebody has to edit this so, podcast. Somebody so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta like keep it like even. You know, right? So gotta keep everybody happy okay. a little bit. Okay. First SEC matchup: Auburn is a road favorite. They're favored by three and a half points at Ole Miss. This is kind of an interesting one. That like at the beginning of the year. We would have been like, what? This might be close. Yeah. Um, Auburn's looked really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Three losses now. And Ole Miss is a nice, de- uh, nice offense. Yeah. You go first. Okay. I think Auburn's going to bounce back. They're not going to go. They're not going to be four and four after this game. So I think they'll get the nice road win. Okay. I'll pick Auburn as well. Ooh. Okay, then Alabama with another one of these ridiculous point spreads. They are favored by 29 points on the road at Tennessee. Did Mizzou cover last week? Um, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I'm putting him in the I spot. Don't, I don't ever look at the spread for the Mizzou game, I don't think. I think last I saw it was like 28 and a half or 29. I think they lost by 29. So, I don't know. It was close, whatever yeah, it was. it would be right around that whatever number. Whatever it finished at. Uh. Cameron, I'm going to pick Alabama to beat Tennessee. Oh, wow. That is a bold prediction. Mark that mark that down, please. Wow. Oof. Well, I think I will as well. Okay. Wow. And then we have Mississippi State at LSU. LSU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Well... We may end up picking the same teams for the, uh, like every game. Actually, no, we picked different on Minnesota, Nebraska. True. LSU is really tough at home, and Mississippi State has been a little bit of a letdown. Uh, I think I'll just go go safe and pick LSU here. I'm picking LSU as well. I liked, I kind of liked them more than Auburn at the beginning of the season. My the things I'm really um, spidey senses. Yeah, my my exactly. My spidey senses were pretty right on with LSU and um, Florida. Yeah, you've been this you've season been so. pretty good with those. Um, I'm gonna go with LSU as well. And then last we have SEC matchup, SEC East matchup, Vanderbilt at Kentucky. Kentucky is an 11 point favorite. Yeah, I gotta pick Kentucky here. Vanderbilt. I don't have any faith in Vanderbilt. I just no. I don't. There. I just. My spotty senses are, are way down. Yeah, Kentucky at home. Um, 
yeah, they're going to win that. I'm almost sure of it. Although Vanderbilt looked good against Florida. I mean, and they did against Notre Dame too, but they just are really, really good at having close losses. Um, Tennessee, well, though, with the big upset last week, that was pretty impressive. That was crazy. That was like out of nowhere. Yeah. So I, I really think Auburn will bounce back from that. All right. So probably won't be too much um, of me pulling away or you coming back after this week. You still think uh, Georgia wins the SEC East? Um, yes. I do too. I don't. I, didn't, I wanted to see how strongly you felt about Florida. Have Georgia and Florida played? No. Okay. That'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, that will. Who did? Who has Florida lost to? Are you making uh, that? Kentucky. Right. So. Oh. Kind of a three-team race. Yeah. Have Georgia and Kentucky played? No. Ooh. So we got some big games There's coming up. Big matchups still to come. All right. Like well, Mizzou and Memphis. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got anything else for the folks? Oh, man, I hope you guys have a wonderful homecoming experience. Uh, be safe out there. Come find us. Hit, hit, hit us up on Twitter if you want to uh, hang say out. Say hi. Or, yeah, say, say hi. Um, We're going to try to be sitting nice and close to the court for Mizzou Madness. Yep, it's going to be perfect weather. It's yes. like 60 and sunny. Mm-hmm. It's like absolutely perfect. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. Looking forward to it. Definitely. Well, that's all from us for this week. We'll be right back here next week. We'll be recapping the Memphis game. We'll give you our impressions of Mizzou Madness, and then we'll look forward to the big game against Kentucky. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports One, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Um, send us a... Uh, Send us a message and uh, give us a subscription if you can. Review us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next week.